Hey, I'm Dave Coles, and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. Welcome to the All Blacks Podcast. I'm Andy Bird, and I'm joined today by Mills Molina. Mills, welcome to the show, mate. Uh, cheers, mate. It's good to be on board. Hey, I'm talking to you today from Starship Hospital in Auckland, mate. Can you tell us uh, what you're doing here today? Yeah, so um, we just launched a, that uh, the Starship uh, Children's Hospital is um, the official charity of their DHL um, Lions series and um, you know, ASB have um, kindly come on board to, to help out in that. So we're just here to launch, we've uh, just launched that today and to um, spend a bit of time with the kids um, and also uh, go through a you know um, award that I was very familiar with um, uh, back in uh, 2008. So yeah, that's basically what we've done today. So pretty, it causes pretty close to your heart? Yeah, it is. I think, um, you know, and having spent a bit of time here when uh, our first child was born um, and um, sort of what he went through and, and also what we went through, you sort of get uh, a similar sense of sort of what goes on and how um, people feel here and also to also put a few smile on kids' faces. You know, as soon as you mentioned um, the All Blacks, although they might not know who I am, um, they uh, they certainly know the All Black brand and uh, to, to see them smile and take a little bit of that pain away uh, for a short period of time, you know, means the world uh, to them and also to myself. So um, it, it's great that uh, ASB and um, have, have gotten behind it, and um, they're actually looking at um, making a couple, two hundred thousand dollars. So there's ways that um, you know a lot of people can do that throughout the series um, through text and also donations at the games, I believe. So uh, hopefully the the nation and, and also some uh, the Lions supporters can get right behind it because it's an absolutely fantastic cause. That's going to be really special. I'm looking forward to seeing the presence of Starship um, during this series. Hey, look, for the for the fans and the listeners out there, I'm just going to go back to square one for you. So obviously born in Samoa, uh, moved to New Zealand at quite a young age. Can you just let us know your first um, rugby memories? Uh, my, my first rugby memories have to be 2000, oh, sorry, 1987. I actually, um, gee, I was, I was living down in Invercargill and I used to sort of walk past to go to, to, um, to rugby league training and would see a, a pair of uh, Adidas boots, the, the old yellow ones, and I used to think that was John Kerwin's house. And so that was probably my, my earliest sort of um, rugby memories as a, as a, as a youngster. Um, but played a lot of rugby league when I was um, young in New Zealand until I was 12 years old. So I didn't really get into the rugby stuff until uh, intermediate. And um, yeah, from there on, um, you know, things sort of progressed until I suppose today we're retired. <laughs> and some of the listeners out there may be surprised to actually know that you did grow up in Invercargill. I think people may assume you're from Auckland, given that you played for the Blues for so long in Auckland and NPC, obviously. Um, can you tell us about your upbringing in Invercargill? Was there a, bit, a decent Pacifica um, presence down there? or? No, not not too much. I think, um, you know, we migrated down there when I was two years old uh, from the islands, obviously for the weather. Uh, <laughs> But um, no, my uh, my my parents uh, they had a bit of family down there, and at the, at the time the forestry was quite big, and um, also the freezing works. Um, so regular jobs for a um, for sort of obviously um, migrating to New Zealand for a bit of life, and um, yeah, I was brought up there. My family is still down there at the moment, um, and I moved up to Auckland in my final year of school, in 1998. So I had a I suppose yeah, people do. I think I am an Aucklander and that um, I've you know lived here all my life and brought up here but I was actually brought up in Invercargill where there was I suppose oh, limited um, Polynesian families there and certainly not many um, of brown complexion that's for sure. <laughs> it's a little bit a little bit tricky to find a chop suey <laughs> down at uh, Main Street Invercargill. Yeah definitely hard to find a chop suey and uh, a Samoan pork bun, so uh, and my mother didn't cook that stuff either, so we wouldn't we wouldn't eat too much there. So yeah, no, 
pretty hard. And your brother played a lot for Southam, obviously. Did you have any regrets in your career? You didn't pull on the jersey for the Stags at all? Or not? Oh, I think as a youngster, I always, you know, coming through the grades, I sort of, it was an aspiration of mine to be, you know, you've seen the likes of Simon Colhanes, Justin Marshall when he was there for a bit, and Paul Henderson, I think. Um, you know, you wanted to play for South. Of course you wanted to play for Southam, but um, I think... I was, I was fortunate enough I got an opportunity to come up to Auckland and um, so I did. I, I did have aspirations to, to one day don the um, the, the, the maroon jo jersey at NPC level, what it was called back in the day, but I think um, you know my childhood heroes would have to be the likes of Michael Jones and Ronnie Clark, you know, no disrespect to the other guys that I mentioned from South and, and once I got the opportunity to come to Auckland I think I kind of um, never looked back really and um, those the players I just mentioned before the childhood heroes I, I ended up you know playing with them um, and you know John Curran was amazing he, he was the manager of the Blues team and so those sort of things um, for a, someone that was brought up in Invercargill was, was sort of beyond my wildest dreams that I'd ever get to do that and to to also wear an all-black jersey one day was um, probably something I, I didn't actually dream about I, 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 I don't think as someone that's from Invercargill I probably thought that it could ever happen and I think definitely um, the opportunity that I got in Auckland probably um, progressed that for me a, a lot faster than perhaps when I was down in Invercargill. And, and how hard was that shift at, I guess, 16, 17 years of age to move from Invercargill all the way up away from family and, and friends and, and Kelston College and new friends and all that and, and play, play rugby up here? How hard was that transition for you? Uh, it, was, it was really difficult. I found it really tough, I think. At the time, I was um, I came up for a um, to play touch for New Zealand under-18s and... Um, and never went back home. So I to to come up and you know Auckland was this big scary city. You know to, to go to Dunedin uh, from Invercargill was scary enough in itself. So and I think you know I um you know there was an opportunity to go back down to Invercargill um, after school and um, you know I was offered a a Southern contract uh, which I turned turned down. Um, reluctantly, uh, I really wanted to go back home because I was missing home. Um, but um, I think I look back now and I, I probably made a, a really good decision. I think, you know, the, at that time as, as an 18-year-old, you know, I was offered $10,000 to play for Southland as opposed to a $2,000 um, academy contract for Auckland. Now, as a 17-year-old, that was gold. I thought I'd, I'd, um, I'd uh, you know, I'd, I'd made it big. But, um, you know, I was given some really good advice from the, uh, our family friend that, uh, that I, I was living with at the time. And... Um, sort of nutted away and, and it probably got the best out of me because I had to make the make it work um, but you know to answer your question man it was probably some of the toughest years of my um, of, of my childhood careers to really because I really missed home and um, my support network was down there too. And obviously that move laid the foundation for you to eventually make the All Blacks a, a few years later and um, we'll just talk quickly about your time in the ABs obviously 100 test matches uh, heartbreak in 03 and 07 but how good was that 2011 winning that on, on home soil? Oh, it, it was awesome. I mean, I mean, words can't really explain that. I think you know, the whole tournament in itself was amazing. And I think when you've gone through two failed campaigns, you kind of just, um, you know, uh, and people don't realise. I think a lot was put into 2007, and then the aftermath of that was just um, horrendous, really. And, and to start all over again and to make sure that didn't happen, I think there was a lot of things. Um, that we put into place to make sure that we won the cup, and and a lot of those things you're still seeing in place now, which is I think for someone um, like myself who's out of it now to see that those things being implemented and still go on now, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, when you talk about things like the road, road rotation and the 
rest in, I can't even remember what it was called back then. I mean, a lot was said about that, but now it's just norm, you know, things like the leadership groups, um, you know, no one actually knew what that was. Now that's a norm in, 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 in the All Blacks and in possibly around the world, definitely here in New Zealand, you know, with all those franchises. So having been part of all that sort of setup, it sort of makes you proud of the fact that um, you know you won the World Cup and and that you um, you're part of implementing some of the things that they do to today as well, which is awesome. And talking about those changes, we hear a lot about the All Blacks' humility and things like leaving the change room as you found it and and the legacy, the jersey, um, leaving it in a better spot than, than you got it. Did you kind of see those changes as as you progressed through your All Black career? Oh, absolutely. And those were the things that we changed. I think in 2004 when we were just horrendous um, in the Tri Nations. Um, you know, the the coaches got together, a leadership group team, which was, you know, fortunately to be a, a part of. And, you know, it, it may seem a, a small thing, but they're massive, you know, the, you know, to, to be able to pick up after yourself and know that, you you know, yes, you've earned your spot there, but you still got to act like a, an all-black 24-7, um, you know, you know, when you go out to do public things, um, you know, it's a yes attitude, those little things like that. I mean, they go a long way um, into, you know, um, Staying humble and for, for and, and appreciate appreciating what you do and and what you get. You know, yes, there are a lot of things that you do get um, perks and, and whatnot in the All Blacks, but you've got to make sure you, you appreciate that and that you certainly thank people for that and and are open to um, to talking to people. So um, again, I think um, you know when, when I spoke about before about uh, some of the things you've imp implemented. I mean, you know, that there just probably. Um, you know, is, is one of the examples of the many things that we did create. And looking at 2011, so 100th test for yourself, Centurion, um, not many, I think it's six um, in that number. And um, just talk to us about that moment, achieving that. Yeah, I think it was, I had mixed emotions that night because, um, you know, I'd gotten injured uh, and I, bro I broke my shoulder blade and was, you know, had to come off at half time. So, but I think it's, it's not until you... Um, you know, you finished your career that you realise some of the things you have achieved. I mean, you meet people mention, oh, you played 100 caps for the All Black, and you, you sit there and think, well, why did I actually do that? And um, and so it was it was a special moment. I, I you know I sort of knew I was out um, out of the tournament the next day, which was a little bit sad. But um, I mean, to achieve that milestone and to know now there's only there is only six, possibly another couple that are going to come um, soon. It's a special sort of um, group to be involved with, and um, you know th those other guys that you know I spent a lot of my career, all black career, with them, which is which is awesome. But um, you certainly have to pitch yourself. But um, you know it's something I can sort of walk away with and um, and be, be be proud of. And jumping back a few years now, so 2005 Lions, and obviously they're coming this year for another huge uh, tour. In 2005, did you realise the scope and size and scale of, of the of the Lions behemoth at that time? Oh, no, I don't think it was. Um, really, I didn't realise it until the, after the first test when they rocked up with like two or three busloads. It was like, oh man, that's when you kind of knew how, how. I mean, it was always kind of kind of big, but like to 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 get a feel of how big the scope was in terms of you know their resources and what they were bringing over and the the money that was pumped in there, it was just amazing. But we were lucky. We had um, you know Sir Brian Lahore, who sort of for a lot of us at the time, we didn't realise how big the Lions series was. You know, we were relatively pretty young. Um, but to have that sort of, um, you know, the, the history of the Lions and what it means to um, to both, you know, well, to the four nations and, and to New Zealand was was massive. And so you got you got a sense of how big things were going to be. And um, but certainly it was uh, it was a massive tour. And um, you know we, we came away with uh, winning the whole series three 0 And you know we certainly celebrated 
uh, for for many days after that because it's it it definitely up, up right up there with the, winning the Red World Cup because it's such a great series. And how was that atmosphere, I guess, on field for one with 20,000 odd Lions fans in there, but also off field during the whole tournament with those fans travelling around the country? Yeah, I know it was. It was. Well, I'm sure they'll be um, pretty vocal uh, this this um, well this year. At the time, I think 2005, the the sterling was probably about five to one New Zealand dollar. So. Uh, that was probably explained why there was 20, 30 odd thousand people in the crowd. Uh, I don't think we'll, um, you know, the, the the exchange rate isn't that good at the moment. But I mean, you, you think of those moments in the Rugby World Cup 2000. I mean, that's right up there. You go along the streets and all you seen was red, uh, red and blue jackets and um, their chants in the crowd. And so um, that was, you know, looking back at that in 2005 was probably when New Zealanders got a f um, good sense about how big it was going to be and how big supporting a team was going to be and we've probably come a long way since then actually in, in terms of the way we support and how vocal we are because we are we're quite a conservative country we like to sit there and analyze the game um, whereas the Lions like to you know get amongst it and although they lost they probably partied more than what we did so yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, I think 2005 uh, taught us a few lessons. Our, our crowd was quite raucous in 2011 at times, I think, which is great. Yeah. And uh, the tagline for this year is out raw, so let's hope, hope that our fans can do that. And uh, looking at this year's squad, um, you've spent a lot of time in the UK, obviously, playing in Ireland. Yeah. Um, who, who are some key matchups that you'd, you'd, you'd pick out for both the ABs and Lions? Head -to -head? Oh, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to the centres. I think, um, you know, the, the centre combination, obviously, with, um, you know, Tia Bentio there, the Henshaw, you know who who actually plays in the midfield, and also the tens, you know whether, you know because um, a lot of it is um, you know whether um, Sexton plays or Farrell plays. So, uh, and we're, we're quite unsure about who our combination is. So I think those three, ten, twelve, and thirteen are for me probably the the, the big ones. The forwards probably take care of themselves. Um, you know we've got a lot of cover there, but definitely the, the, the centre combinations that I'm sort of. Um, we've got a very key eye on, um, and, and sort of how that um, how that will progress. So they've got a lot of options, you know, whether they play uh, Sexton and Farrell together, or Gats has mentioned already that um, you know Farrell is a, is a is a ten. So who's going to play twelve? I'm not too sure. Um, so um, yeah, that, that's that's definitely something. And I, I think you know possibly a lot of Kiwis won't actually know a lot of these guys. So to to actually get a gauge about who they are would be, would be good. You know, even if you had to Google. Because there is some really exciting talent coming to New Zealand, and um, it's, you know, and those names here in particular, although you know a couple of them been around a, a fair while, um, you know, are, are names you definitely got to watch out for because they've been playing some good footy in the last couple of years. And if we pinpoint the 15 jerseys, obviously for the ABs you got Ben Smith as your front runner, but then you've got Dag, Damien McKenzie, Geordie Barrett. That's 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 huge at the back. We've possibly never been stronger at 15. How's that shaping up for you, that 15 battle? There's so many options because you know, do you put Farrell at 10? He's going to kick. You know, do you? Or if he doesn't, if you put him at 12, you, you know, you want to kick him. You know, they're probably the most prepared Lions team in terms of kicking goals. But I don't think you can win against the All Blacks just by kicking goals. I think you need sort of an attacking sort of um, mindset. And so. Um, yeah, we've. I mean, uh, it's not so much the 15 jersey that I'm, I'm worried about. It's the makeup of the whole back three. You know, do you put Israel Dag on the on in the on the wing? Where does Naholo sit in there? Does he make this? So man, it's just this is a, a, a coach's dream to have. It's a coach's absolute nightmare of a headache to have. But it's such a good headache because there's so much talent out there, and you and you put one player in, and that that play a t t totally different style to the other. So. 
you know, depending on how he wants to play, that both teams want to play the game, um, you know, will we'll factor in on who they choose and, and who they choose in what position. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's riches of them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that challenge too. There's going to be massive head-to-head battles, but looking at individual those games, 10 games, how hard is that tour going to be for the Lions? Yeah, man management's going to be massive, and I, I think it's already been spoken about. I think um, you don't, you know, to manage 40-odd players, and a lot of them probably won't even play. That's probably Gats' big, biggest challenge. The All Blacks have been together for a number of years. They know the culture. They know what you can and can't do. They know the systems. He's got to, Gats has got to bring a team together from four different nations with four different cultures, and a lot of them are starting players in, in their own um, team. So to keep those guys happy if they're not in the team is a challenge in itself. And then, you know, to actually manage them on a tour where, you know, they're possibly a midweek team or, or whatnot and have the same focus to win this series is, is a massive challenge. So I think um, that's what, and that's what's so good about the Lions. You know, that's what, you know, why when they win a series, it's, it's huge. Yes, they have got four great nations, but bringing you know their best players from all those four nations together is is a massive task ahead, and you've got to keep guys happy because if you don't, then it can just go pear shaped. I, I imagine there'll be a few Lions fans listening to this who are going to actually travel to New Zealand for the for the series. What what do you reckon they can expect when they're in, country, in the country? Oh, I think they'll expect a, a, a great time in New Zealand. Hopefully, the weather holds up. It's uh, getting a little bit cold at the moment, but I think you get some good rugby. I think. Um, you know, hopefully they can get around to the smaller towns. I know that uh, the first game's in Whangarei against the Barbarians, so that's that's special in itself. Um, the franchise games will be big, and I know the the uh, all our franchises are gearing up to play. You know, no, you know, every 12 years, it's you know, so it's it's every 12 years here in New Zealand. So for someone that's never going to make the All Blacks, this is their moment, their moment to play against the Lions, and so. Um, what can they expect? They'll expect a good time. They'll expect some good um, hospitality, some good food, and hopefully some uh, fantastic rugby and winning all-black rugby. And talking about winning all-black rugby, can you give us a prediction for the three test series? Oh, I'd love to say 3-0. I, I would honestly love to. I think if they can get it right and um, they're capable of, the, um, of, of, of winning all three of the all-blacks, but the first test is going to be the big one because that just gives you the slight sort of edge if you whoever wins that first test you know we'll give you a slight sort of you know uh, the mental sort of edge that you want to, that you want going into the second test because once both teams have seen, seen the styles you go into the second test sort of knowing and sort of changing little things makes a could make a massive difference but it's hard to really know I think um, you know there is you know from what I've seen over there there are some real good quality players coming to New Zealand and they'll be wanting to make sure they do well because the last time they were here they were sort of you know pretty woeful but um, hoping 3-0, realistically 2-1. Uh, and I know you've got a busy schedule, Mills, and I've held you up too long already today, so just finally to wrap it up for the for the fans out there. What are you doing now with yourself? You finished playing rugby last year. What are you doing with your time now? Yeah, mate, well, you're going to make me miss a lecture um, very shortly, but um, I'm actually doing um, uh, some applied science papers uh, at AUT at the moment, so you know, things like chemistry, microbiology, and um, human anatomy and physiology. Um, so I'm going into chiropractic. Uh, it's going to take me five years. At the moment, I'm doing um, my prereqs uh, that have to get done before sort of going into the college. Well, hopefully going into the college. They only accept 70, but um, there's, I think, just under 200 of us that are probably going to be vying for um, those 70 spots. But So I'm, um, I'm a full-time student at the moment with... Uh, 
a student loan and uh, student discounts, uh, which I'm in. Well, I'm, I'm enjoying the discounts. I don't know if I'm enjoying um, coming home exhausted, but I'm certainly coming home um, with a different sort of exhaustion rather than a physical one. My brain is uh, fairly tired every night. And Brian Lima may have to get a new nickname. Wow, everyone keeps saying that, eh? I say, oh, you, I was never the Brian Lima chiropractor, what they're talking about. I'm actually going, trying to be an actual chiropractor, not sort of uh, smash people around like he used to. And I never used to do that at, uh, myself. So, um, no, I don't, I don't think they'll be calling, well, I don't think they'll be calling me the Brian Lima chiropractic type style, but uh, certainly I'm, I'm hoping in five years' time that I can come away and um, be a qualified one for sure. Hey, Mills, all the best for your studies and thanks for your support for Starship, mate. Appreciate it. Oh, you want to do it, 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 you want to do it